Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. We weren't doing it in response to the SEC. Uh, We were doing it for our needs. And obviously we're in a situation now where we're uh, Kevin's done a marvelous job and facilitate discussions with our television partners. And uh, so this this helps move the needle in that regard. Uh, so it had nothing to do with you know, Texas and Oklahoma or us setting up mega conferences for you know for the future. It was about what, what did the Big Ten need? And uh, our marketing and media rights opportunities along with the, the great uh, relationship that we have with two institutions that culturally uh, fit us uh, was just too too good to pass up. So it was more about those things than it was about trying to compare it to the SEC. That's the voice of Gene Smith, the athletic director of the Ohio State University Buckeyes, and this is a Friday night here in Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Gabriel Ramirez, Anthony Heron here with you for another couple of hours. The Big Ten made all kinds of news yesterday on NBA Free Agency Day, and if there was anything that could break through the news cycle, the fact that USC and UCLA have decided to leave the Pac-12, they reached out to Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, and the conference will be adding the two biggest brands on the left coast to the Big Ten. So now you got New York, Chicago, and L.A. all will be in the Big Ten coffers as they negotiate the final end of this media rights package that is going to set records for the Big Ten conference. So let's go out to the 670 score hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, Talk to our guy, Pete Futek of College Football News and see what Pete has to say about all the happenings from the last 36 hours. Pete, did you get any sleep? I, I, not any more than I usually get, but no, I don't. I love that, I love that clip you played from Gene Smith because, yeah, he's from the Ohio State University and that was the load of bull muffins there that not a response to the SEC. Yeah, I think that – I kind of think Texas and Oklahoma – First of all, they dropped the ball. Let's not forget that they completely, completely blew it because Texas is the perfect fit for the Big Ten and vice versa. It's not for Texas doesn't fit the SEC, not from the academic profile, not anyway, not from being their head against the SEC West Wall. It doesn't fit. It's a Big Ten school that happens to be in Texas, and they whiffed on that. They were not going to misfire on this one. And the other part of this, too, is 
they had to make sure you keep Ohio State happy because Ohio State and the SEC rumors started to get a little bit too loud. You get USC and UCLA, and that kind of squashes that. I'm surprised that that's even a thing. I didn't. I didn't even know Ohio State. I can't even imagine Ohio State not being in the Big Ten. That seems odd to me. But what I have been hearing about is just like the the treacherous flight schedule that some of these teams might have to be on. I'm surprised that that, that had zero. Like no one cared about that whatsoever. I mean, you know, you think about Big Ten, you think Midwest. I get as as a person who I mean, I don't. I, I like college football, but I don't follow it religiously. So so talk to me about how this is even possible. How can you even bring? Like USC and UCLA, I mean, I, I hear it, and it just doesn't make sense to me. How, how is this even possible? You ever heard of a chartered airplane? It's uh, pretty <laughs> weak. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, you ever tried driving from Chicago to oh, I don't know, Bloomington, Indiana? It's like takes forever. You have to drive through all these trucks and everything. And you know, State College, Pennsylvania, from here is a disaster to get to. Look, you get on a plane, you put your headphones in, and you know from Chicago four hours later, you're in L.A. It'll be fine. These guys will be all right. Uh, the thing about the travel, though, is, is first of all, don't assume the Big Ten's done. They're, 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 at some point, because it's Friday night of a holiday weekend, it's probably going to drop like in 30 seconds from now. But they might go Oregon and Washington, too. I mean, they, there's, there's going to be more coming from this. They're not just going to stop here. And so you got to figure the way they're going to figure this out is that they're going to have to divide up the 16 to 18 teams in a certain way. So you're right. Uh, going, trying to make the trip from Newark slash New York City to L.A., that, that's, a, that's a haul. That's a six-and-a-half-hour flight. That's going to be a little rough. But from Chicago, from Lincoln, Nebraska, from Minneapolis, you know, on a chartered airplane that these guys are going to be on, that's four hours. You know, it's, it really is not going to be that big a deal. And you're really not going to have uh, these crazy things, especially for football. It's not going to be that big a deal. The Olympic sports, that, which I don't care about, that's going to be a little bit tougher. And basketball is always weird. But for football, they'll be all right. Yeah, they, they're used to traveling in style in football, regardless of that. So, yeah, I, I do think that won't be as much of an issue. The financial end of it is obviously it, it was already – going to be ginormous you, you we were talking yep. billion dollars with a b even before this usc ucla news came about yesterday and so now i'm wondering you know, big 10 media days is later this month it's less than four weeks from now towards the end of july and we thought pete that we were going to get an announcement from the big 10 by the end of may and now we understand why that announcement got delayed do you see this rights package coming together for the Big Ten with whatever additional money is going to be in it? Might it happen over the next few weeks or might it take a bit longer now? Yeah, it's going to take a little bit. And I still don't think that's even the real story. And this is where, you know, you and I were kind of part of what should have been the forefront of this, where <laughs> streaming, you know, right. if you're like, if, if you're the Big Ten network, if you're the Big Ten, They've been really out ahead of the game when it comes to the conference network, making sure, you know, really, and I like all these people who are like, oh, why would anybody want, you know, this school or that school or whatever? Well, look, they got Rutgers for a reason. You know, they got Maryland for a reason. They wanted to expand the brand so they can get more eyeballs and get more markets for the Big Ten network. 
So, yes, of course, USC versus Ohio State, that's always going to be the, you know, the number one feature game on Fox or ESPN or whatever it turns out to be. But for the, the Big Ten, where this, the media, the money on this is really going to start rolling and the cash machine is going to uh, be cranked up, is like UCLA versus, you know, Purdue at 3.30 in the afternoon you know, on a Saturday or, you know, basketball wise, when you do get like USC versus, you know, Wisconsin on the big 10 network or something of like that. sort. where now you've got LA on the big 10 network and the, to really dive into the weeds, because this is not really a sports story as much as it is a business story is that they've got now the clearance and the, the ease to get into the LA market a whole lot easier than they were before, where before, if you want the big 10 network in LA, well, you you really kind of, you know, we're going out of your way because why would you watch the Big Ten if you're in Los Angeles? Now there's absolutely a reason to be a part of it. Joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, Pete Futek of College Football News. There, are, How do you feel about Notre Dame joining the uh, Big Ten? It's hard. You know, it's, it's how do you get Ross and Rachel together already? I mean, Notre Dame wants the Big Ten. <laughs> Big Ten wants... You know, the Notre Dame. The problem is, though, Notre Dame is not going to get the special concessions it's going to want because if they give, you know, Notre Dame anything extra, Ohio State's going to be like, eh, how about us here? And on the flip side, Notre Dame doesn't want to be, you know, just another team. I'm not saying like Penn State's just another team, but all of a sudden you kind of lose a little bit of that luster in your brand. So either, I, I still think when all is said and done, if you're the ACC right now and you have no moves really to make because you have these horrible TV deals, you know, it, it, this friends with benefits thing that they got going on with Notre Dame, you, you put a ring on it. You've got to lock down Notre Dame <laughs> because Notre Dame doesn't fit now the Pac-12 because they're just not going to be a part of that. It's going to be hard to figure out what it would do with the Big Ten, even though obviously it would be a great fit. It doesn't fit with the SEC at all. So where are you going to go if you're Notre Dame? You're going to want to make even more money than you're making now. This would be the right time to do that. You join the Big Ten, keep everything, you know, keep your alliance with USC would make perfect sense. But I kind of think they don't do that, and I would think that they'd go more to the ACC than the Big Ten. And in doing that, then what does it mean for Notre Dame? Is is it strictly the financial end of it? Because part of what's allowed Notre Dame to continue their independence over these years is having their deal with NBC. You know, you, there's not a whole lot of teams in the country who, who could even consider trying to go do their own deal with a major broadcast network. Notre Dame has had that throughout really our entire lifetimes, it feels like, yep. with NBC. So if they do fully join up with a conference, whether it's the ACC or, or the Big Ten or whomever, then what does it mean for, for Notre Dame at that point? Can it really enhance yeah, them it- that much? It gets so difficult because you're right. Like they don't want to lose that special status. They want to still maintain their, you know, their independence and oh, look at us, we're you know really cool and all that, and you know we're our own thing at that point. And the other part of this is going to be sort of funky. Is it depends on how fast we get to a, an expanded college football playoff. Because if you're Notre Dame and you're already making gobs of money, well, can you make more money if you join a conference? Maybe. But can you get what you want? Can you get all this money you're already making from your TV deals? And again, you know, TV, it's going to be weird how this works because all the big cash is going to come from the TV deals when really it's from a streaming world where, you know, now we're getting 
NFL games on Amazon Prime and other you know outlets. That's probably where this is going uh, in the near future. And Notre Dame's got to be on the forefront of that. And if it can do all that, maintain its independence, and you have say a 12-team college football playoff where. All Notre Dame has to do is be ten and two, and it's probably somewhere in the you know it gets in the mix there somehow. It can probably have everything it still wants. And I got a question for you. All right, I mean, you're the actual guy who played in the Big Ten for <laughs> Iowa here. How do you feel about the whole thing? I mean, do you feel like it's some watered down version, or do you feel like it's just too much, or, or like what are your true, genuine thoughts about so, this whole thing? Uh, it's a valid question because we've seen so much change in college football the last couple of seasons here, some from a player perspective, some from a team perspective, transfer portal, NIL, all this money being thrown around by broadcast networks, and, of course, now super conferences being on the way. And We've seen that kind of begin to trickle in over the past decade here with teams shifting conferences. Now, last two years, SEC and Big Ten have definitively separated themselves from the pack. Playing my college football at Iowa – I, and, you know, you guys both know what it's like growing up in Chicago. It's not like a huge college sports-centric area. My, my interest was more in pro sports growing up. So my passions around college sports have really just developed since the time I started getting recruited. So I, I would say I'm a, I'm a traditionalist to a certain extent, but I don't really romanticize college football in the way that some other folks do who really grew up passionate let's about the to, college side the of things. Here, right. Mr. Come uh, on. Mr. Mr. Traditionalist and non-romanticist, ask it and ask twenty-one-year-old Aunt Heron who has to go play in Madison, Wisconsin, or Minneapolis. Actually, that was a dome then. So go play in Champaign, <laughs> Illinois, on November eighteenth, as opposed to say, "Oh, I got to go to play in in, in L.A." Uh, oh, I got to make the trip to Los Angeles to play that mid-November game. Okay, hmm. he might have a he here. might have a different wife. <laughs> <laughs> it would be exciting, man. It would definitely be exciting to be able to travel out to LA to play in the Rose Bowl for a regular season game, making that trip out there as a member of the Big Ten. You know, I mean that that game has meant so much to the Big Ten and the Pac-12 over the years. Now you'll have that ability during the regular season. Think about the Coliseum. Think about the Rose Bowl. Those being Big Ten venues now that matters. And, and Pete, one thing that I'm I'm wondering about is like I, I certainly don't think we're going to see you know what whatever we might consider like the 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 lowest rung Big Ten programs the the ones who aren't as elite as the other ones we're not going to see anybody relegated but what does it mean <laughs> getting these USC UCLA getting those brands into the Big Ten what does it mean for teams that are just kind of trying to claw their way up for respectability in the conference well what's going to be really interesting more than anything else is they've got the team. And I think the, the, what we're not talking about here is, well, first of all, from a sports standpoint, UCLA hasn't kind of done all that much in football in a long time. I mean, basketball isn't really a part of this because the business side, it just doesn't factor in. Football, they've been all right. And, you, you're, you know, USC's been down. You're talking between these two programs. They've only got one of the last 13 Pac-12 titles. So they haven't exactly been crushing it. However, USC – is with the NIL, with everything that's, that's there for them, they can take everything that is in their infrastructure that helped create the Pete Carroll era. Now that it's kosher, good luck. Good luck stopping this program because there's a reason Jordan Addison left Pitt for uh, USC. There's a reason why Caleb Williams not only wanted to play for Lincoln Riley but wanted to go there. You're talking this high-powered offense from Lincoln Riley in that town with all the media opportunities, it is 
the program even more than Tusco, anything in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, even more than Columbus, Ohio. You're talking the ultimate media market combined with the glamour of L.A., combined with the fun of that offense and that town when USC is awesome. The NIL money is going to go through the roof. That is going to be the program going forward, and it's going to be interesting. And, of course, the Big Ten wants to have a part of that. It's going to be an interesting time in the Big Ten in the next couple of years. Pete, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You're absolutely hilarious. Phenomenal job. Anytime, guys. You have a great weekend. Pete Futek of College Football News. Oh, dude, he was hilarious. I like that guy, man. I want to have a beer with him. And yeah, remind me to tell you, Pete kind of referenced it in passing. They remind me to tell you how we, uh, how me and Pete initially crossed paths Uh-oh. years ago in the industry. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We are going to be here till nine o'clock. And of course, the number one story all around Chicago is Zach Levine signing his super duper max contract. <laughs> and we are going to talk to Joe Cowley and, and and find out why he was playing coy with the Chicago Bulls. Why did he have to wait that day and make us sit on the edge of our seats as if he wasn't going to sign that deal? We'll do that right on the other side of this. It's 670 to score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. There's ways to get better. Uh, There's ways to get better, and I think the core guys that we have right now, that's a great group of uh, players, and we just have to... Uh, look for ways to improve. 
in a week when free agency starts uh, and we're going to be pretty aggressive uh, looking for you know for new additions that core group of players now definitively includes Zach Levine as he signs his five-year 215 million dollar deal it's Gabe Ramirez Anthony Heron here on 670 the score hanging out with you till nine o'clock and right now joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is the writer from the Chicago Sun-Times, Joe Cowley. Joe, I just I want to know immediate thoughts on the Andre Drummond signing. What you, what were your initial thoughts? <laughs> um, I was like, well, I, I mean, that's kind of the consolation prize, I guess. Um, look, it, it was underwhelming. It was... Um, the whole, you know, the whole free agency for the Bulls has been underwhelming, but it was what we, you know, myself, Casey Johnson, other writers all said it was going to be when they use continuity and talk about just bringing some, some players in to help with the margins, you can't expect much. And so Andre Drummond is a, you know, my parents went on vacation and they got me this t-shirt. That's what Andre Drummond is. Put that in the so, you know, He's not going to. He's not going to close games for you. He's not going to be a game changer. Um, he's going to help in the rebounding department. He doesn't change their pick-and-roll defensive problems. He doesn't give you rim protection. I mean, um, he, he's, you know, he's, he's a body. He's a big body. Um, and like I said, he's going to help with, with rebounding, but he's not, you know, you're not putting him in there in the last couple minutes of games just because of his free-throw shooting. So, um you know, it's just kind of what I expected. I wasn't expecting a lot. I knew priority number one was Zach Levine. Um, I think the Gallinari miss is big um, because that that's telling. That's him saying, okay, I have two organizations, and reportedly the Bulls are even offering a bit more money. Not much. It was, I mean, it was pretty close. Um, but I'm going to go with Boston because I believe in what they are right now compared to what the Bulls hope that they are. So, to me, that was telling. It's not a red flag, but it's telling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there were really any surprises. I think Bulls fans had their eyes set on something that was going to be much bigger, and it just that just wasn't the case. Joe, is it because of necessity? Because we, we hear AK publicly talking about wanting to keep this core in place and giving them a real full season together and those types of things. Is it is that out of necessity, or do you think they legitimately believe that the core as it stands right now deserves another opportunity? I think they believe the product they, fall, they saw the first two, two and a half months of the season is a product they could get for a full year, and that's a dangerous game because the product they saw for that, that, that time when they were in first place and – the defensive rating was top ten, and the offensive rating was top ten. That that wasn't that wasn't you know a fugazi. It, it was it was real. But look at what the teams it was against, and that's that's the dangerous part of this. Is the schedule was backloaded, and they did a lot of their good their their good deeds and and, and played their good basketball against a lot of bum ass teams. To be honest with you, so. <laughs> When you do that and you and, and you get excited and say, well, this is what we could be. Now, there are things, there are intangibles that do travel to this season. And that's the idea that this team is built. You know, everyone's like, well, they need rim protection. They re-. No, not really. That's not how they were built. They were built to attack you with the backcourt and to cause havoc in your offense, to turn you over and to get out in transition. That has nothing to do with rim protection. They weren't, they weren't built 
to have a guy sitting there because there's going to be a bunch of blow-bys, you know, with guards and stuff. Um, what happened was there was a lot of injuries, and so those blow-bys increased, and Vooch was exposed for what he is, which isn't a rim protector. But when all when all guys are out there, Caruso, um, Car- um, uh, Lonzo Ball, when, when you know, even, even Derek Jones Jr. bringing him back, and, and, and Isle, what we saw from him, when everything is going like it should be, rim protection isn't, an issue because they should be causing so much havoc in your backcourt, turning you over there that it should never get into the paint. So that's the way they were built. That's why, you know, the, the Dale and Terry uh, uh, draft, I had no problem with that because that, that adds to what they're trying to build. And that's attack your backcourt, attack your wings um, and, and, and cause havoc in your possession. So um, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think it was, you know, I just think they know who they are, and they they feel like it would have worked against any team if there weren't for the injuries. It's a dangerous game because you're you're, you're hoping, and anytime you're you're selling hope or buying hope, it's it's a dangerous thing in sports, as you guys know. Yeah, and they didn't want to give up a ton. I mean, obviously, you saw Mitchell Robinson, the deal he signed, Bobby Portis, a lot of guys that fit that kind of mold that they were looking for. They're just very expensive, and to get a guy like. Andre Drummond for that cost, I think they were looking at it like, all right, well, at least we can just right, throw a right. couple million dollars at this guy and he could be all right. right. And I, but but I, I actually don't mind it. I mean, I look at him, he's 28 years old. I mean, you know, he, he does get us some rebounds. I mean, because, geez, Tony Bradley as our backup center was just brutal to watch. I hated the Tristan Thompson signing. So, I mean, I know we were looking at Drummond, you know, in years past, but the one thing that scares me is this is going to be his seventh team in three years. And yeah. I, I can't quite figure out what it is that, I mean, obviously, you just mentioned it, you know, not being able to be put in the late in the games because of free throw shooting. But but can you pinpoint anything else to see why he's such a journeyman in the yeah. last three years? I mean, yeah, the, the other concern is he's terrible at pick and roll. He's just terrible. Now, look, they said they got away from the drop defense last year. I still thought at times Vooch looked like he was playing the drop defense, whether they, they were got away from it or not. Um, you know, Drummond isn't – He's not. you're not going to hedge hard with Drummond and, and – and, and get switched to have him on a guard because he'll look like he's on ice skate. So he's, he's terrible in pick and roll. There is a certain amount of physicality he does bring, maybe not at the point of attack of the pick and roll or a screen like they need. Um, but again, they expect their guards to get through the, the screens. They expect Caruso and, and Ball to play with that physicality. And so um, they're not relying on big men to do that. So, um, I mean, there are, those are other concerns. And he messes up your spacing. I mean, He's probably going to work with the second unit, so they'll get away with it a bit more. But if he's out there with uh, out there with the first teamers, you know he's not he's not he doesn't play with any kind of gravity like like Vooch does. You know, Vooch can go out to that three point line, and obviously you need him to shoot it better than he did last season. Um, and, and I think he will. But he pulls defenses out. Drummond ain't pulling anybody out. So and that messes with Demar's mid range. That messes with the guys that like to drive and attack and even drive and kick because there's no one to kick it to if it's Drummond's, you know, eating up paint. So, um, you know, it, 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 it changes what the look of, of the, the offense is, and obviously he doesn't bring a lot defensively. Like I said, he's going he's gonna to help in the rebounding department. He's a vet. Um, there is a certain amount of toughness that comes with him, which they need, but they never got – I you know Terry, his makeup – is that of a guy who could be that dog for him eventually, but he's a 19-year-old rookie. So they still have a bunch of choir boys. There, that that wasn't addressed. Um, so, you know, there's, there's still some serious problems with this team. 
that's a and I I didn't I haven't studied Dale and Terry as closely yet. I was really hoping with Malachi Branham still on the board that he'd be a direction the Bulls were going to go there with that pick. Right. But, you know, Patrick Williams is already here. Dale and Terry feels Patrick Williams esque to me. Where if they both develop, then outstanding. If they don't, then you got kind of similar guys, similar traits, and you're just waiting for a ceiling that we didn't necessarily even see like an elite ceiling in their limited time in college. And so there's a lot of development that has to happen at the NBA level. Uh, I do wonder, because, you know, great teams have shooters. Mediocre teams have shooters. Awful teams have shooters in the NBA. How come the Bulls can't find shooters? Yeah, well, I mean, they're living on that, that shooting percentage. And obviously it dipped in the second half of the season because Lonzo wasn't there. And, and, you know, we all know what he did, especially from that corner three. I mean, he's deadly. And, you know, um, you know, Javante did a pretty good job in the first half, but he was kind of exposed the second half, especially with all the corner threes he missed. Um, you know, they don't have, you know, you, you would have liked that, 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 that addition, whether it was Ingles or somebody like that, that you could just say, we know this cat's going to come in and you have to, respect what he is they still believe kobe's that kobe white i you know i see that on some nights but he's you know when you have a streaky guy like that he's either 12 minutes for you or he's 24 minutes for you depending on you know how he's shooting it that night so i get what you're saying um but again they just then you know when you when you max out a guy like that and you already had existing you know 20 plus million contracts and, and three other guys you're kind of painted into a corner of what you can do. You painted yourself there. And so, um, yeah, I understand on draft night, they, they could have got a couple scores and a couple shooters. I will say this, Terry is not built like Patrick Williams. Um, he probably won't guard the same type of player as Patrick Williams, but I do think he was brought in as a message to Patrick Williams mm-hmm. that, look, this guy is high energy. This guy is aggressive. And this guy is looking to kind of Pat Bev you. He, he's going to talk trash to you. You know, maybe not as a rookie. We won't see it. Uh, but he is here to kind of eventually be that dog. And that's because you're not fulfilling that role. And so you need to either get with the program or get going. And, and so I, I do think um, – even though they're built different and they're not going to play the same spot, they're both going to mm-hmm. eventually be wing defenders and, and, you know, hopefully if they develop right, guard the better wings in the league. But I definitely think Terry was, was brought in to show Patrick Williams how he should be from an aggressive standpoint, from a, from a foxhole type standpoint. I, I don't think it was done. Uh, I think there was purpose behind that pick bigger than what yeah. we thought or bigger than what they explained. He's Joe. Cowley uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times uh, joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. You know, Dale and Terry like a bootleg Lonzo. You know, he's, he's a, he's a pass-first guy. He's, you know, he's not going to shoot, right, right, shoot right. the ball a ton. He's going to you know, be a, a, a guy that could run the break for you and, and get the ball in the hands of, of people that, that need it, like Zach and DeMar. Um, but obviously he's a, he's a piece that might not be an important piece this season, but in the future – but but with free agency here, obviously we got Zach and, and talking about pieces that can continue to be added to this team. I don't want to say who, like in terms of like what, what guy do you think is going to be here, but but what position would you say, Joe? The, do the Bulls still need to address, and do you think they will address it before the start of the season? I mean, they got fourteen guys under contract, so you're you're kind of done. I mean, you might add in a piece 
once uh, free agency kind of starts drying up of a guy that uh, couldn't find a place and you could get him on, on the cheap or, or whatever's left. But you're kind of done with 14 guaranteed contracts. You know, you could always wave a Bradley or something, I guess, and, and eat that money um, from after he opted in. But, you know, I, I hate, you know, I, this is it, boys. <laughs> I mean, this so is your 2023 Chicago Joe, Bulls. Joe, you're telling me Kyrie Irving isn't going to make his way to the Bulls organization? No, and look, you know, and I, I reported yesterday that they did. They did do their due diligence. They made they made that that call to Brooklyn. They're one of I think it's up to like eighteen to nineteen teams now that have done that. And what I was told is is they were told as of right now they don't fit the profile of what Brooklyn wants in return. Now obviously that could change um, because where you know you're if you're Brooklyn you're in a tough spot because you've empowered two people um, one more bizarre than the next and. You've empowered them to not only dictate what teams they want to go to, especially in Durant's, Durant's place, in, in, his, in his position, but also the players they want to be traded for because they don't want to go to a bare cover either. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to give that same respect to Kyrie, but if Kevin puts his foot down and says, well, let's three or four-way this, this thing because I want Kyrie to land in a good spot, um, you know, Brooklyn is kind of you're, you're seeing the power of players kind of play out right now. Brooklyn thought that they can kind of gain control of this thing from the players. They've learned the hard way. You know, when you have an elite talent or elite talents like that, they are in full control. And so, um, anything could happen. And, I, and I'm not closing the door on anything because I because I do think that 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 AK is aggressive. Um, so I'm not closing the door that they are completely out of anything Brooklyn does or if there are multiple teams involved. If it gets into a four-way, the Bulls somehow finding themselves into it and not necessarily getting Kyrie or getting Durant, but getting a piece that we didn't foresee and being one of those those four teams. So I do think that they, by by making that call and doing their due diligence and putting their name in the hat, um, that's a good thing because I don't think the old front office had that kind of mentality or had the, the creativity that this one does. Um, so that that's a good thing. But as far as what else they can do, I, I think you're kind of seeing the product right now. And I, and I know you, that sucks for Bulls fans to say that on July 1st. But, hey, happy 4th of July, people. <laughs> Joe. Joe, I was saying this to Gabe earlier. The, the way I sort of see the, the lay of the land with the current Bulls roster and you know, we've been talking for months about Zach Levine, if he's worth the max and mm-hmm. if he isn't. And my case has been that I believe he is. And, you know, at, at the risk of sounding like I'm throwing shade at the best player on the Bulls, I don't think Zach is the one who's miscast on the Bulls roster. I, I believe Zach Levine can be the second best player on a championship puzzle. I think having having Debo as the best player is, is not is, is really where it feels like the roster doesn't really work. I think it's the guy at the top of the heap right now that maybe doesn't quite suit what you need to push for a title. Is that fair? Um, there's some there's some some ideas in there. Demar Derozan should not be your number one on any kind of championship team. Okay, but Zach Levine, I don't know unless if, if we get the first six weeks and, and Team USA Zach. Mm-hmm. Then I'm saying, okay, maybe he's two B on a championship team, or 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 almost the three on a championship. But I mean, look, you throw him in Boston, who didn't win it. Zach's third, fourth on that team. He's behind Tatum. He's behind Jalen Brown. 
uh, you could argue he's behind Marcus Smart with with what Smart does defensively. You know, I think Zach's a better playmaker. Obviously, scoring you can't even compare the two, but the intangibles of what Marcus Smart brings, you can you know some would argue that that's just as important of, of for a championship team. And so, you know, if if if, if Zach Levine is your number two, you, you ain't a championship team. So, um, and, and that's the dangerous thing, as is. Now, I don't know if we're, we've seen Zach Levine fully evolve. You know, I did that story on him last November where I got him, and we just did a one-on-one, and I just flat-out asked him, you know, I've been very critical of maxing you out because I think you're a one-dimensional player. Tell me why I'm wrong. And it was a nice barbershop debate. Um, he understood the, the point of the column and why I was saying that. And, and he was great. It ended up being a great piece, and, and, you know, the one thing he told me is, you know, how's my – at the time, this is before the knee went south. So take it, take this for what we saw in the summer on Team USA when he was picking up, you know, the, the, the opposing point guards 90 and, and riding right. him the entire way. Yeah. And then what we fought, saw the first six weeks of the regular season, which was a guy that, look, he wasn't Lonzo and he wasn't Caruso defensively, but he was pretty damn good yeah. and as good as we've ever seen him. So is that the guy that you maxed out and is that the guy you're going to get that's the big gamble. The Bulls think it is. Um, I'm willing to take that flyer because I understand that Zach's heart and his mind is in the right place to become that guy. I just don't know if he's going to become that guy. Um, and, and the issue is you're no longer in an East where, you know, you, you just need one major injury and you could be in the conference finals. You look at the, the best players in the East, and these dudes are all two-way guys, and they will eat your heart out and they will not think twice about it. And they have, and if they're not the dog on their team, they have a guy right next to him who's a dog on that team. And so that's my concern is you paid Zach like a number one, and on some of these teams he's a number three. And have you now just painted yourself in a corner of mediocrity for the next five years because you've kind of hamstrung yourself on a guy that you had to max out because of the situation, but you put yourself in a bad situation. So, I mean – that that's my concern. I'm hoping Zach proves me continues to prove me wrong and becomes um, that guy we saw for the for the for the first six weeks. But that remains to be seen, and, and it all starts with that knee. You know, it was an exploratory surgery. Um, it was a quick fix, a quick cleanup. They feel good about it, good enough that all their doctors have looked at it for for at least a year now and decided he's worth the money. So you know, I'll, I'll take that ride with him for now. I mean, he's 27 years old. And you know, right. you're looking at Demar. You know he's 32. Some will say that's like when you're when you're real prime. You know, prime physically is 26, but mentally, physically, when those things come together, it isn't that 30, 31 year range. And I do think right. the torch is going to be passed to Zach Levine, where he is definitely going to eclipse Demar Derozan and be that guy. I mean, I mean that's my Homer heart pounding hard. Yeah, Joe. well, yeah, I don't think Demar is <laughs> not going to have the year he did this year. Right, of course he's not. just not. Right. And, and if he does, the Bulls are in bigger trouble than we thought because <laughs> right. he has to be the lead dog pulling that sleigh, then that tells me that, you know, we felt like, we feel like this is the, the, a close to the same product coming back. But if he's that lead dog, then it's the exact same product coming back. And that means that myself, Casey Johnson, uh, Darnell, all of us, Cody, we'll be done covering NBA basketball at the end of April. <laughs> Early. Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on this Friday at the start of free agency to talk Bulls. We loved having you on, man. Anytime, guys. Joe Cowley from the Chicago Sun-Times joining us right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. I, I, I wish I could ask them one more question about Pat Will. 
and wondering if he, whether he thought he's the truth or is he a bust? Because my big thing, who was stopping you? Well, Brian, quit, quit Brian, letting Brian intimidate Brian's you and ask me, your questions, Gabe. I'm in studio. He's looking at me dead in the eye. I get, the, I'm getting the break sign. I'm getting devil eyes. I'm an intimidating guy. Yeah, don't you? Haven't you met Brian Callahan before? Uh, but, but you know what I do want to do? I want, I, I want to be able to open up the lines mm. with that very, very question right there because I, I think like it's that. important. I think that you know us as a Chicago fan base, more often than not. Once we get a guy, we love him. We 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 lift him up. We say this is going to be the dude, whether it's Justin Fields, love Mitch, whether it's going to be, <laughs> and that's what we do. Christopher Morrell, people where think he's going to be a Hall of Famer right now. <laughs> so I want to open up the. <laughs> Hold on, wait. Let's hear this first. Bri- oh, Brian's telling us to break with this singing right here, <laughs> and Brian's. Three one two. Well, the B ninety six. What's up? It's Gabe. No, just Gabe and that. No, let's play. All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Bulls fans, I do want to hear what your thoughts are about Patrick Williams. He hasn't put together a complete season. Anthony Gill, who used to work here at six seventy score, just pointed out. He said, "My assessment of the Bulls offseason so far." Patrick Williams better be very, 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 very good. <laughs> and that's true. So I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is there anyone out there that's brave enough to say, hey, you know what? Pat Will is what he's what we've seen of him, and he's a bust. Or do you think that Pat Will is a guy that can be plugged into this lineup and elevate our team in a way that we didn't see last year? 312-644-6767. We'd love to hear from some Bulls fans. We'll do that on the other side. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. He's an unbelievable athlete. You know, he can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions. Those guys, you know, uh, it's very hard to find those guys. And uh, especially when he's 20 20 years old and already has not full seasons. Obviously, he he, he was injured last year, but uh, two seasons already under his belt. And uh, we saw when he came back, you know, a glimpse what uh, Patrick can be. Now you add uh, some playoff experience and the last couple of games um, that he, he scored over 20 points, you know. So so you see his potential. He's going to have another big summer, and I'm looking forward to seeing him on the court uh, next year. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, of course, that's Arturis Karnasovas talking about Patrick Williams. And he's going to be 21 August 26th. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure when you were you were 2020 turning turning 21 you were playing your college ball at, at Iowa. Mm-hmm. When you think back to that time, do you feel like you made a big jump? Um yes. I'm trying to think back to that time. I'm pretty sure I did. Not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. It was a uh, there was a time. It, it was a time. It was a crazy time back there in the city, but <laughs> yeah, that that twenty to twenty-one year old range where you kind of you're just starting to get your grown man muscles a little bit, and your yeah. body's maturing in a way that kind of allows you to do things you didn't think were possible a few years ago as a teenager. And you know, P. Well entered the NBA as a physically mature guy for his age, but just as he continues to realize what he's capable of and just get reps. On the court, that's going to make the biggest difference for him just because it's one thing to to think you know what you're capable of. It's another thing where you begin to implement those in competitive circumstances and to have the tangible evidence associated with it to gain 
that mental confidence, the physical confidence of it, to just try things out and test them. Like the time in Summer League that he spent last year just knowing they wanted him to go out there and act like he was the best player on the court, and he did that. And we saw him start to just sort of flex a few of those muscles offensively that he really didn't get a lot of time to do during the regular season going through this year. So really, we've seen a a version of Patrick Williams so far that through his rookie season, you know, coming off the the COVID year where there was limited games that year and he was a teenager as a rookie, had an emerged role throughout that year, and then he missed the bulk of this past season and all those reps that could have been associated with it and just kind of barely got back into the lineup to play a little bit in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm still... I'm still high on Patrick Williams. Okay. I still think there's a lot of unrealized potential there that he's got the chance to try and figure out. Nine points a game, four rebounds. That's what he's averaging right now. But the guy's 6'7", 215 pounds. And he, like I mentioned, he's going to be turning 21 in August. So it'll be interesting to see his development going into next season. Of course, we're asking you guys what you think. We're going to talk to Jose in Aurora. He's joining us on the Rosen Hyundai hotline. Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Jose, thoughts on P. Will? You think he's going to be able to make this jump this year or what? I think this is the year that he's got to pan out because if he doesn't, then he's going to be not good for the team. But I wanted to comment, Gabe. I love your show. I wanted to comment that if uh, Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball and Patrick Williams, these guys were a no-show in the playoffs, if these guys can show that they're going to be on it this year with DeMar DeRozan on board and Caruso and company, I think they could make a run, buddy, and thanks for having me. Of course, no problem. Listen, the reality is this. Pat Will needs to grow his hair back out because that's when he looked like a dog. He was out there. When I saw him the first rookie year, I was like, oh, okay, I like this. You got the little Atlanta thing going on here. You got the little – and then he cut it off. And then he was like, I'm young Patrick Williams, and I just needed a, wow. I needed a little bit yeah. more from him. You know I'm what I'm saying? A, a Samson vibe, Samson vibe yeah. from the argument you're making right there. Cut off the hair and suddenly lost a lot of his, his strength, his power, some of that brute force that he, he had available to yeah, him. Yeah, he looked like he grew up in Evanston as opposed to like somewhere else. It just didn't, <laughs> it didn't hit the same way, you know what I mean? But I will say this, man. I mean, I, I, I really do wish the best for him because we've seen, we've seen stints of it, right? You see Pat Will mm-hmm. and you say to yourself, okay, you you can get to the rim at will. You can. We saw him make that three point shot consistently his rookie year, and then for whatever reason that second season, I I, I really genuinely feel Ant that it was because of how the roster was made up with Demar and Zach and Vooch, and there wasn't a lot of opportunities for him to take over the game. He was feeling a certain type of way about doing that. And when you're 20 years old and you're playing in the NBA and you have bona fide veterans in Demar Derozan and, and Nikola Vucevic that are there and they want to shoot the ball, it's hard for you to go ahead and, and take that 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 role. But sometimes and, you got to do that. Especially the stage of the season that he kind of entered the fray. You know, he got hurt so early during the year, so he really had no role. You know, Io DeSumo had more of a role on this squad as a rookie than Patrick Williams did because Io was there throughout the entire year, and he was one of the stabilizing forces as all these other guys were dealing with injuries and and as certain guys just needed rest because they were old and you had to let them sit down every once in a while. Io was out there kind of knowing exactly how he fit into things in a way that, that P. Will really didn't because he just wasn't on the court with this newly constructed squad. You know, Vooch had, had barely been with the team much coming off the sure. season before, so he's figuring out Vooch, he's figuring out DeRozan, he's figuring out um, Caruso. I mean, there was a lot of newness that P. Will just hadn't really had an opportunity to kind of figure out where he fit into that full puzzle. 
now, you know, kind of being a, a caterpillar. Now he's going to get this chrysalis stage here through like what that. should be a healthy offseason. Then maybe we can see Patrick Williams kind of become a butterfly, spread those wings, you know, see how colorful he can be on the court and be an individual who knows he belongs out there, who knows he can take over games and be one of the best on the courts. We saw it in flashes. It's one thing for us to just look back and say, well, be more aggressive. Be aggressive. You know, <laughs> right, right, it's one thing right. to just yell that at a young player, but for a young athlete and, and the, the, the point in the season where he had to step into the fray, it's a whole different thing to actually go out there and implement it and to know how you fit into things. But we did see when he went for when he was playing kind of free and loose and aggressive, it's there. There's some skills there. And I, I like the point that Joe Cowley made, and I hadn't really viewed it through that lens about Dale and Terry where, you know what, you draft that guy who's a young cat that, that has more of that just kind of natural dog already in him, and maybe that does push Patrick Williams along that much more. So I think just the experience in the league, having the health and just sort of having that nurtured within this core that's there, it's a good situation for Patrick Williams to to continue to have his skills flourish. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. Someone who is already a full-blown butterfly who doesn't need to be told to be aggressive that could help this team, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Say it again, Kyrie Irving. Now, it's funny because – a texter from 802, I finally put it up because, again, Brian, our producer, he's intimidating. And he told me to look at the text line. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, hey, Gabe, why don't you ask Crowley about Kyrie? I tried to. I tried to work it in there. You did. I tried to work you it. Definitely he, did. he just said, nope, and just moved right past that whole thing <laughs> and went in a different direction. And I didn't want to, like, pounce on him and be like, but, bro, what uh, if he gets cut? What if he comes? Because I'm that, I'm that Bulls fan. I'm the guy. <laughs> and somebody else said that I've been – I need to take it easy on the devil's lettuce. Maybe I am with the devil's lettuce and a couple of beers talking about how I want this Bulls team to be a contender. And I'm trying to figure it out. And you know what? There's a team that is in disarray right now. And I'm hoping that somehow, some way, he can figure his crap out and get over here to Chicago to help this team out so that that way, Anthony Heron, he is the number he is the number one option to Zach Levine's number two so that DeMar DeRozan can be that third yeah. option on this why, team and why, be successful. Why is that team in disarray? Is it because they had Kyrie? No. It's oh, because they had James okay. Harden who wanted to get out of there, and then it, it turned into Ben Simmons. And it said, oh. You know what? We're opening the damn lines back up. <laughs> We're opening the lines back up because I need – there's got to be one person out there that agrees with me. Not everyone is out there just watching PTI and hearing Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser poo-poo on Kyrie Irving every time they start the damn show. He's a good basketball player. Does anyone agree with me? Does any – or does anybody – everybody just want to text in and tell me that I'm a freaking idiot. Huh? And then they're not going to watch. Somebody somebody texted in and said, see, this is what happens when I read the text messages. Somebody texted in and said, if we sign Kyrie, I'm no longer watching the Bulls. You're full of crap. Because if Kyrie comes here, then you're going to be like, you're going to be front and center, talking, probably calling the Bulls off and trying to get season tickets. They're going to be interesting. They would definitely be interesting, whether he's on the court or off. He's probably going to spend more time off the court. But they'll be interesting either way. 3-1-2. 644-6767. We got a small little break before we talk White Sox baseball. And I would love for you to agree with me and tell me that yes, this Bulls team would be better if we had Kyrie Irving. 312-644-6767. We'll take your calls next. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 to score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.